podcast is our fortress. Welcome to The Pick with Sean Lemmy, John Otney, and Colin Westman. And this week, we all three got together, combined our powers, and picked Avatar The Way of Water, the second in the proposed Avatar Quintilogy. I should have looked up what the word is for. Sounds pretty good. Quintilogy. Isn't quadrilogy here. not a word, even though they use that to sell that alien box set? <laughs> oh my god! Did they? What? What's the real Didn't word? They, Do you know? I don't know. I thought I heard that. That's not. This is just a rumor. This is speculation. I'm gonna Google is quadrilogy a word, and if it is, then I'll just shut up. Pentology is probably. Tetralogy. Okay. Okay. I see what they're doing here. Yeah, I think they fucking made this up. (laughs) Another series with a with a camera flick in there. So yeah, yeah, they'll probably go with Quintilogy. (laughs) (laughs) When we're all sixty years old, (laughs) James Cameron's hologram is directing. An AI is directing the Avatar movies. Great. Well, that's the thing is uh, we're supposed to be over the hump, and and it's I think it's like every two years from now through twenty twenty eight we get an Avatar movie. It's it's uh, hard to believe because they say they they shot the second and the third one pretty much at the same time. So, you know the the third one sounds like it's ready to go. But I, considering they haven't apparently shot the fourth or fifth one. It's hard to believe they'll have that done, you know, two years uh, from the next one. But I don't know. And I was doing some research into that, John, and it is very yeah. confusing when you start digging. Okay. Because um, there are quotes attributed to James Cameron going as far back as 2017, where he's saying, I'm pretty sure the deal is we'll make two and three, and if those do well, we'll make four and five. And then there are other people out there saying, no, they've already shot a great deal of the fourth movie. <laughs> this is um, like that, That sorry, I didn't interrupt. This is like that bullshit where like George Lucas had everything planned out from the beginning. Before he typed a single word in the 70s, he had all of the prequels set out. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always felt kind of bullshitty, right? To like to hear that he, that James Cameron in this case, had written... Uh, avatar the first one in like 1995 it was like but the technology's not there yet i need 14 years to perfect the technology for this story it it seems much more natural to me that they would be interested in the technology and watching it develop and then writing a movie that complements the technology that he's involved in conversely i could believe that that's what he said and that's the truth because do you remember back in the 90s when james cameron said he, he wanted to do a Battle Angel movie, but he couldn't do it till they actually had a robot advanced enough to star in the film. <laughs> like a I real do. robot. 
You know, that movie did end up getting made with him as a producer. Not with a real robot. But it's just funny. Yeah. I did. I put together a little James Cameron timeline for us oh, to okay. talk about later if you guys want to. Yeah, I'd love to hear about it. But first, we have to do the littlest of picks. Um, I just feel like anything we talk about in the same podcast where we're also talking about the avatar of the way of water is going to seem pretty uh, tiny by comparison. <laughs> um, so I'll lean into that a little bit and go with something that's uh, small, but like in the cute way, like like S-M-O-L, you know, people are like, oh. Like a Tamagotchi. Yeah. Um, and talk about um, an anime that I've been watching called uh, Spy Family. Have you guys heard of this? I know about it. Nope. So I'm on the Crunchyroll, uh, which is now kind of the anime streaming service because it merged with Funimation. Um, and... I'm mainly there to watch the new Gundam show, but I figure, like, since I'm paying for it, I might as well watch some other stuff. And there's actually a few shows that are really popular and also on Hulu, so uh, I figured I'd talk about them. Uh, One of them is Chainsaw Man. uh, That's going on, like, right now. I haven't really gotten to it yet. And the other one is Spy Family, which is written as, like, Spy X Family. Uh... But you don't say the X. I, I don't know why it's there. I oh. guess it just looks cool. <laughs> um, Spy Family is a, a manga that started in 2019 by uh, Tatsuya Endo. Um, and this year it began being adapted into a um, anime. It just occurred to me that I always talk about current things. In my little picks, I never am like, here's a album from 1978 that I like, like Colin would do. Maybe I'll work on that next season. I feel like uh, I even do that that much anymore. <laughs> I usually just do newer stuff now, too. Anyway, uh, Spy Family is about a uh, Cold War in a, um, a, a pair of countries that I, th- I think are inspired by... Um, East and West Germany during like the mid 20th century. Um, there's, it, I mean, because a it's about a Cold War. B, they, there's a very European mid 20th century look to everything. Uh, and C, because the city it's set in is called Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> Subtle. <laughs> um, uh, and and in the city of Berlin, we meet a, uh, a secret agent, uh, at the, the top agent of the, the country of Westalis, uh, who's here in Ostania to uh, gather intel on a reclusive, high-ranking government official. And the only way that he can do that, the only way he can get close to this person, is by uh, attending... Um, events at his son's exclusive private school. So our spy, uh, who's known as Twilight, has to create a family and get them enrolled in the school so that he can do his spy job. 
So he creates an alias for himself. He calls himself Lloyd Forger, very subtle, and uh, adopts an orphan named Anya, um, and uh, and very quickly marries a uh, local woman named Yor, uh, who has uh, her own reasons for needing a a, um, a originally a boyfriend, but a husband works for her too because. Um, she stands out at work for not being married and being in her, her late 20s. And so she, as a cover, she lies about having a, a boyfriend. Um, and so it's a mutually beneficial situation for all three of them. Um, but they all have their secrets. So Lloyd is, is a spy, as you know. Uh, but Anya, the little girl, is an esper with the ability to read everyone's minds all the time. And uh, Yor, the, the mom, is actually... Uh, the world's deadliest assassin. <laughs> and uh, despite uh, all their incredible skills, they're doing their best to just make it as a regular family. And uh, a lot of the comedy on the show comes from how totally oblivious they are to each other's um, kind of obvious weirdness. Uh, you know, Lloyd will come home covered in blood and everyone will just be like, well, that's that's kind of a funny thing that's happened. Um, and, and of course, uh, it's, it's even funnier because Anya is reading everyone's minds and, and knows exactly what's going on, but she has to be subtle about it because she's scared if she gets found out as a, as a mind reader that she'll get sent back to the orphanage. Um, so it's just, it's just a bunch of hijinks, but it's also, I think, incredibly cute. And I've just been having a lot of fun watching it. Uh, towards the end of the year as we look for the best stuff from the year that we haven't watched yet. This has been a a delightful little surprise for me. So um, a hearty thumbs up for the Spy Family. Do you wish you were in the Spy Family? (laughs) Uh, I mean, it seems really stressful, but I guess I'd rather be in the family than be opposing the family. There's, I mean, right. there's, there's correct a lot of, there's a lot of just situations that are really funny when they're, when everyone has these incredible skills, like Anya uses her psychic abilities to do well at a dodgeball game with the other kids, or um, they have to do a, a they sort of like a, a, a pretend rescue. Uh, scenario and Lloyd's able to use basically the entire resources of his country's army to make it real and cost like millions of dollars. It's great. Alright. Sounds like this is an anime I Anna must watch. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Sounds like John is doing a transition but he told us before the podcast that actually Colin should go next. Colin must, Anna must... (laughs) (laughs) no i must animus colin i must uh yeah i I don't even know why you did that like i had plenty of transition ready because i could just be like well speaking of families (laughs) but no no animus you animus share my pick right now uh, but yeah, speaking of families, my little pick 
I think is going to be the Fablemans. Whoa. Uh, Speaking of families. Are there spies in that family? Uh, In a way. Mm. Little... Well, uh, well, Sammy Fableman does do some spying that uh, mm. proves to be a pivotal plot point. I'll try not to give away spoilers, but I mean, if you know the story of like uh, Steven Spielberg's parents, you probably know what this movie is about, roughly. Uh, yeah, the Fablemans. Uh, incredibly autobiographical movie. Uh, made by Steven Spielberg, uh, kind of both about him finding his, well, not him, it's about Sammy Fableman finding his voice as a young filmmaker, uh, but also about kind of growing up in a sort of, uh, strained household with a marriage that, uh, some issues um but also like i don't know you 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 just see uh, a lot of reverence for his parents in in steven spielberg's kind of depiction of uh of them as well as kind of taking them at face value as adults uh with lives of their own um I don't know, it just really worked for me the way this movie had kind of that, like, Spielberg uh, kind of polished charm and wonder about it, but at the same time is kind of grappling with the messiness of real life and the fact that um, the way human relationships kind of uh intermingle in the real world uh are are not the the same as they are in the movies as much as you want them to be um kind of cinematic and and idealized um so yeah i i just really loved that mixture um what else is there to say so what what format did you see it in did you see it in High frame rate, 3D, D-box, 3D. I think I saw it in standard frame rate in a movie theater. Uh, Yawn. Don't know what the <laughs> the dimensions were of. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Hey, I saw it in a movie theater. I can't say that for every everyone else uh, in America, which is fine. Like, look, he's Steven Spielberg. He he's allowed to make like his ultimate sort of like personal movie that he's not making uh, to like win over <laughs> audiences and and make a shitload of money at the box office. And, uh, like, that's totally fine. I'm, I'm very much into this late period, uh, run of movies that Spielberg's had going on. Uh, yeah, you know, BFG. Ready Player love, One. Ready Player One. Love Ready Player One. Love BFG. <laughs> uh, of course. Ready Player One is second most autobiographical film. Uh, yeah, it starts in Ohio, I think. Isn't that where they start before they move? I can't uh, remember actually where he starts. Not in this movie. Do they just start in Arizona? 
No, they start in New Jersey. New Jersey, okay. So it's a little different. Yeah. But I don't know if that's because Steven Spielberg was like kind of, you know, like seven or eight by the time they moved to New Jersey. Because that's where the movie starts. It doesn't start at his literal birth. <laughs> uh, That'd be pretty exciting. But yeah, then they moved to Arizona, then they moved to the Bay Area, and then to L.A. When he finally goes after his showbiz dreams and meets uh, David Lynch as John Ford. Uh, (laughs) He has one scene, it's great. I don't know how (laughs) this became David Lynch's type, being like a grizzled showbiz veteran who just kind of like offers his uh, crusty advice to people while sitting behind a desk uh, like he did on Louie, but he's very good at it. Uh, because that's what he does for the real world. Go tune in on David Lynch's YouTube channel and you can watch him give you advice every single day, but mostly just weather reports for Los Angeles. Those suck, because it's always the same. <laughs> There's no weather in Los Angeles. Yeah. It's just fucking sunny every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what makes it good. I guess. Alright, yeah, gotta... Gotta check that one out. Fable ones. I can't believe... I haven't watched it yet. But I'm gonna like it. Um, But for my little pick, I am a must pick... Pandora yeah. flakes with blueberry flavored oh, He did it. <laughs> the madman. Guys, Kellogg's is taking you back to Pandora with their brand spanking new cereal. This is Frosted Flakes with blue moons in it. Um, you can only get it in family size, but I ate the whole box when I had it. I got it from Target. So if you're still looking for some, you might be able to find some at Target. I couldn't find it anywhere else. And the blue moons do taste like crunch berries, but for some reason they turn soggy with in less than ten seconds. So you gotta speed run this bowl, or this is gonna be hot, just cold mush like that. So mm-hmm. I think it's good if you're eating it fast, but if you like take a couple seconds to drink coffee or just reflect on your life, it's gonna be bad. Um, so it kind of don't reflect on your life. Don't reflect. Just finish your fucking cereal. Um. So a little disappointed that it doesn't it doesn't uh, withstand the firmness test. Uh, also, I don't like that they didn't really do anything with Tony on the box. He they didn't make him a Navi. He's not blue. Mm-hmm. They made his scarf kind of like cosmic looking. I guess it's kind of like purpley, mm-hmm. kind of like a, a spacey looking pattern. And he looks really confident on it. He's puffing out his chest. He'd be like, "Hey, you want to try this?" <laughs> I do. I guess it is fun to note something that I often forget is that Tony has a blue nose. It is it, it is something I think most people forget. It's one of those uh, Mandela effect things, I think. But uh, come on, make them all blue. If you're going to give him a blue nose like he's always had, or maybe didn't, make them all blue. Uh, there were no fun facts or puzzles on the back of the box. So <laughs> a little disappointed by that. Um but yeah, it was it was fun. I love it when a movie does a movie cereal that's not just like vanilla flavored cereal. So many times they'll do that. It'll be like 
it's Mandalorian cereal, but it all just tastes like shitty vanilla flavored uh, puffs of, of rice or corn or whatever, and then just like some amorphous marshmallows. So, so a little, I mean, a little this, more effort. This 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 actually ties into the question I was going to ask, which is why is it Pandora flakes and not just like uh, you know Navi cereal? Like why is it a collaboration with specifically Tony the Tiger? And not just an, an Avatar cereal. I don't know. I think this is more fun than had it been Navi Flakes. Um, though I do wonder if there is another cereal that would have made more sense with with Avatar. For, I even like. I feel like Fruit Loops would have made more sense, just because I don't know the the jungle tropical, you know, mm. corn flakes with sugar on them don't necessarily make me think about science fiction. So I, I, Avatar, I mean. It's a fun experiment. Also, I like how they put... If you look at the box, you can see that it says Frosted under Pandora, but like they covered it up like they slapped a new label on it. Like, uh, thought you were getting Frosted Flakes. Uh-huh. That's kind of like the look yeah. Tony's giving you. Like, eh, thought these were those, <laughs> right? Nope. These are these. Check it out. Huh? They're blue. Which, in a way, is very much how Avatar, the way of water, draws you in with its... With its uh, trailers, you know, it's like, huh? You ready for this? Mm-hmm. One thing that Avatar and Frosted Flakes have in common is their name is so generic, it's hard to copyright. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I've seen so many other cereals called Frosted Flakes that are not Frosted Flakes. They'll be like, <laughs> it'll be like a surfing polar bear, and they'll they'll look totally different. Uh, so interesting. Very interesting. It is interesting. Sean, so, you, Anna, you Anna must tell me about the way of water. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just wanted to do a quick James Cameron timeline. Just so we're all on the same page of the scale of things that we're talking about here. Because mm-hmm. you might think to yourself, James Cameron... He's very old, right? And you'll, you'll find out that he's only kind of old. He's 68 as of as of this recording. Yeah, that's um, what I discovered uh, the other day. <laughs> I was like, eh, maybe he's got some more of these in him. Yeah. He ain't that old. Um, he managed to, to live more decades than the number of wives he's had so far. Which is really <laughs> impressive. Um, so old Jim Cameron got uh, started in the business of making movies um, in the late 70s he uh, in in one of the great like inexplicable starts to a sentence I've ever read on Wikipedia (laughs) let's read it directly after borrowing money from a consortium of dentists he learned to direct, write, and produce his first short film. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that means. Was he a dentist? Maybe I need to do more research on what he was doing. Uh, I know he was inspired by Star Wars to get into film. And I know that his first major motion picture he worked on is one we've already talked about, Rock and Roll High School, <laughs> where he was a PA. Um, 
he did get a job with Roger Corman Studios, uh, doing uh, art department stuff and special effects. Um, he did uh, some of the matte paintings on Escape from New York, which you can see. Uh, he worked on Battle Beyond the Stars, which I feel like is going to be a pick someday. Holding it in my is... hands right now, because I knew you were going to mention it. Just, just thought I'd take a, take a gander at this bad yeah. boy. James Horner did the music on that. Future collaborators. Huh? There you go. All connected. Uh, and then his first credited directing role uh, is Piranha 2, the spawning. Uh, which I bet John's seen. Not yet, actually. Because the thing is, is like he got fired on it. It's like barely his movie. Mm. You know, it's like saying Island of Dr. Moreau is uh, Richard Stanley's movie, even though he got fired and then just like hit out in the cast for like a handful of months. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what I can tell you from the experience is that the original director was uh, Miller Drake who I don't know who that is. Um, but he had creative differences with Ovidio Asonitis, uh, who's the producer, uh, and ended up leaving the project. And then James Cameron took over as the director. Uh, and then he also had struggles with uh, Asonitis uh, and also had a really bad fever. <laughs> Um, and so I, I guess uh, he did not have a particularly good experience on Piranha 2. It also uh, did not do very well critically. Um, it sounds like he doesn't really consider it to be his first movie. Instead, uh, he would direct you towards uh, the movie he came up with while he was suffering from that bad fever, which is 1984's The Terminator. Chunk, 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 chunk. Based on a uh, a nightmare that he had, hunted <laughs> by a robot. Sweet. Uh, James Cameron made the Terminator. Um, he insisted on being able to direct it, so he sold the script for one dollar on the condition that he would be the director. Um, he wanted to bring in his uh, Piranha Two, the spawning star Lance Henriksen. Uh, but ultimately ended up recasting the lead role as Arnold Schwarzenegger because uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is much, much bigger than Lance Henriksen. And um, the movie ended up being a box office success and uh, was popular with critics as well. Uh, and so that opened up a bunch of new opportunities for old Jim. The first of which was co-writing Rambo First Blood Part 2. Which I did not know that he did that. Wow. There are two credited writers on that. Sylvester Stallone and James Cameron. Together at last. Cool. It's pretty cool to get to work with Schwarzenegger and Stallone. <laughs> Do you think they like sat down so together fast. and worked on it? <laughs> I mean, who knows, man? <laughs> Just um, that sounds like a good play. It does sound like a good play. Oh, that'd be really interesting. <laughs> you know what would be a good play? Not to go on a total tangent, but I will. Is the meetings for um, Raiders of the Lost Ark between Spielberg of the Fablemans, 
George Lucas and Lawrence Kazan. There's like a transcript online that you can read of like their whole conversation, like planning out like all the ideas and the story for Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I'm like, somebody's got to make this a play. <laughs> More stuff like that. Uh, well, yeah, speaking Rambo. of that type of meeting, uh-huh. uh, famously James Cameron. Although it's, I'm not sure if this is a true story. I'm pretty sure it is. Zach. I think I know what you're going to say, and I feel like recently it's like project. it definitely happened. All right, well, you go ahead and tell it then. <laughs> you're talking about the story where uh, James Cameron into, uh, went into to pitch uh, to make his uh, pitch for directing the sequel to Alien, mm-hmm. and came in and uh, wrote Alien on like a whiteboard. And then changed it to aliens, and then turned it into a dollar sign, and then like walked out. Now I'm not sure if the walked out part is true, but it, it sounds like he definitely did write the S and then turn it into a dollar sign, and that was like people were like, "Whoa, this guy is serious." And that's just the most baller thing I've ever heard for any so kind of great. meeting. And he was right. Great name, big hit, great movie. Sure was. Uh, with a $10 million budget, it's a, a big step up for, for James Cameron. Obviously working with a major movie studio as well. Um, that would be 20th Century Fox. I believe all his movies have been ever since. Uh, although I'm not sure. I could be wrong. Um, I think most of them. Yeah. There may be one exception, but most of them. I don't think Terminator Two is 20th Century Fox, right? Oh, there you go. Well, I don't. I'll I don't know that for quick. sure. That might be. God, I feel like that was something weird. It wasn't like I can't remember what it was now. Like Orion or Coralco or something. It's TriStar. TriStar. Um, okay. Though I don't know like who their parent company is or anything. But um, yeah. It's got a bunch of production companies and it's distributed by TriStar. Oh yeah, I noticed. Yeah, on his uh, filmography on, on on Wikipedia, it kind of breaks him down. But a lot of Fox. Yeah, a lot of Fox. Anyway, um, Aliens ends up uh, also doing well. It's never bet against James Cameron. Uh, makes over a hundred million dollars worldwide, and. Uh, it's Academy Award nominations, and uh, this will also be the trend going forward: is every movie he makes will make a lot of money and get Academy Award nominations. It's crazy how consistent he is about this. Um, that also includes The Abyss, which I feel like is kind of forgotten because it was hard to get on home media for a really long time. Uh, and it's just not been in the culture the way that really every other James Cameron movie uh, is. Um, the Abyss uh, is probably a movie you guys haven't even seen, right? No. I do know two things about it, though. So I guess some of the stuff in it has, you know, remains within the pop, pop culture knowledge. You know, I know about the weird-looking kind of uh, CGI alien things, and, yeah. and then isn't there something in that movie where like they make them breathe by like putting some weird liquid down their lungs or you know what I'm saying some goo liquid? <laughs> they do do that, yeah. Uh, so I know those things, and I haven't even seen the movie. So <laughs> some it's uh, 
it's pretty intense and and r-rated and uh it sounds like some of the actors uh especially the star mary elizabeth mastrantonio who i don't really i don't know anything else she's done i think it looks like she's been around though uh i think they all kind of had a bad experience uh working with james cameron um all the michael beans in there and he yeah he's keep working with him so he definitely has like his ongoing collaborators you know i think i know the Mm. the the context i know the abyss in is the is the context of like this movie really made an attempt to get the science right to an extent Mm. Mm -hmm. um and obviously this is like his first like i mean if we're not counting prana 2 his first wet slick flick so yeah right this is definitely like him diving into his his interest in and in like in science and and diving, <laughs> so pivotal film in in that respect. Mm. Um, after that, it do, and by the way, the abyss is does get Academy Award nominations, uh, four Academy Award nominations, and wins best visual effects that year. Nice. Um, so he follows that up with Terminator Two, uh, which of course was humongous i mean it's, it's up there in the conversation with the greatest action movies ever made um totally changes the dynamic of uh the relationship between the terminator and uh john connor which is fun i mean john connor's not even in the first one sarah connor it's great it's a it's a hell of a movie oh, yeah. I mean, hell yeah when when we first bought a dvd player my dad picked out a movie, and then he let me and my brother pick out a movie. Any movie we wanted as our first DVD, and we picked Terminator 2. I mean, one... <laughs> I you going to say, like, all, all three of you picked Terminator 2. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one, because we love that movie. Two, because we're like, this is going to look good. And three, because it was in a shiny silver case. <laughs> yeah. So the first two DVDs we owned were Terminator 2 and my dad bought Casablanca. So I think they're the two best films of all time. <laughs> uh, and this does show his his uh, constant bleeding edge uh, filmmaking because these are two movies in a row in 1989 and 1991 with uh, major CGI characters um, well before uh, the Fablemans get to that in like Jurassic Park. You've been saying bleeding edge a lot lately, Sean. I'm all I'm into it. You said it when we were in when we were in line to go see Way of Water and there's technical difficulties, like someone had told us, and he's like, That's what we get for a living on the bleeding edge. And like you got like a handful of other people to laugh. And I'm like, Sean's Sean's killing with this his type five over here. <laughs> so, it's a fun thing to say. <laughs> Uh, and a fun thing to watch is James Cameron's next movie, True Lies. Son Theaters. is a remake of a French movie, but that's really only half. It's like half a remake of a French movie uh, about uh, a spy and his wife and their relationship. And the other half of it, he just makes it about Arnold Schwarzenegger killing terrorists. Uh, <laughs> Because he's he's got these ballooning budgets and this desire to blow shit up uh, in the best way possible. Um, at at the time, Terminator Two was one of the most expensive movies ever made. Uh, 
costs nearly $100 million. True lies cost even more than that. Um, so even though it's it's sandwiched in between two of the most expensive movies ever made at the time, it, it's also uh, a huge investment. Uh, of course, the one that comes after that, though, is Titanic. Yeah, I, I, give me no breathing room to tell my true lies story. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I tried to I say I you had a true lies story. I was five okay. years old. <laughs> it's really weird. I loved Terminator 2 so much that I saw there's a new Arnold coming out. I'm like, can we please go see it? <laughs> but Dad's like, I'm not sure if this is like for kids. It's like, but we went to go see it anyways. But my little brother, who was what, like th- two or something, kept getting out of his seat and like running around. So my dad had to like take him out into the lobby to like calm him down. And I just remember being in the theater for that Jamie Lee Curtis like sexy strip tease scene, just sitting by myself and just thinking like, I'm gonna get in trouble. This is not allowed for me to see this. I'm in so much trouble. I was so scared that I was gonna get yanked out of there specifically for watching that scene. But I will say, it's, I liked it. It's a good movie. It helps that it ends with a guy being stuck on a missile and then being launched into a building. Or no, I think it's into another helicopter or something. It's it's awesome. It ends with a good explosion. Yeah, he fires the missile from a plane into a helicopter. There we go. Um, a plane that can do ver- vertical takeoffs and landing to super cool plane. Very cool. Um, and also Tom Arnold's in it. Very funny. Why isn't he in yeah. Avatar? It is very strange that you saw an R-rated movie when you were less than half the age to get into an R-rated Probably movie. my first. I mean, it had to have been. It'd be, it'd be bad parenting, right, if there was one earlier than that. I mean, was Terminator 2 not rated R? I mean, I didn't see that in theaters. I was like two years old. But you saw it. Yeah, on home video. I guess, yeah, at four or five years old. I, 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 you know, I was one of, I don't know if you guys had that same experience where you saw the second one and then you saw the first one. You're like, what the fuck? He's the bad guy now? That was my experience. Hmm, I have no idea what order I saw them in. I just remember, like, looking at Terminator 1 at the library and be like, what even happens in this? What is this? Just not even knowing. It'd be funny when you'd like look at just covers as a kid. What is this? <laughs> and judge them. Judge by it. Oh yeah. That's why like I, you know, didn't touch the child's play movies for years, just because the VHS covers were the scariest things ever conceived. Also, never watched Titanic because that is fucking two tapes. Well, I mean I watched it eventually, yeah. but I never watched it back then. So Titanic comes out in 1997. It cost 200 million dollars to make, or the price it would have cost to make Terminator 2 twice. Um, during the production of it, starting in 1995, James Cameron starts diving into the Atlantic to capture actual footage of the wreck, um, which we'll, we'll see is is another fascination of his that continues through his career. Um, but the more important thing is it goes on to be, uh, the highest grossing movie of all time 
not adjusted for inflation because for whatever reason the film industry never adjusts for inflation um and it also ties both the record for oscar nominations and wins uh 14 nominations and 11 wins Ooh. you guys know the other movies that have 11 oscar wins uh return of the king maybe yeah probably something old right con uh gone with the wind not gone with the wind not gone with the wind it is is ben hur nice well done yeah it's just gotta be an epic so can get all those productions that's true i didn't take i didn't really take that into consideration and the other movie that had 14 nominations in case you were curious was also from the 50s it's all about eve Uh, mm. okay um but yeah so the main thing i want to emphasize is up to this point he has been a incredibly successful high budget filmmaker but basically having the career that you would expect of a filmmaker where Mm -hmm. every few years he makes a new movie usually with some of the same actors that he worked with last time uh you know and it's not that different from the career of someone like like chris nolan today right yeah except it's not a few years between titanic and avatar it's 12 years between Titanic and Avatar. <laughs> um, and in that time, it's not like he did nothing. Um, I think probably the most famous thing he worked on between Titanic and Avatar that's not Avatar is the TV series Dark Angel, mm-hmm. which ran for two seasons on Fox. Um but he also worked with David Kep on a Spider-Man movie in the early, early 2000s. Um, and David Kep is the is one of the credited screenwriters on the 2002 Spider-Man movie. So perhaps some of what James Cameron wrote did become that Spider-Man. Um, he did shoot some IMAX 3D documentaries that you could have seen. <laughs> In the 2000s like ghosts of the abyss and aliens of the deep um but mainly he spent a decade uh, a full decade on uh avatar and also adapting battle angel alita uh <laughs> which as john pointed out will take another full decade to finally come out uh, and then he doesn't even end up directing them. Um, but yeah, Avatar, uh, in case you forgot, which, I mean, you might have also just been a little kid, because if you were a kindergartner when Avatar came out, you would be a high school graduate now. Gross. Which is insane. Yeah. Um, he wrote the, like I said, he wrote it in 1995. He said the technology wasn't ready yet. Um... He uh, didn't double his budget like he did between T2 and Titanic, but he did add another $100 million onto it. We're up to a $300 million budget for Avatar. Um, it comes out in 2009. It's, it's originally going to come out in May and ends up being delayed to December 
in part because he's trying to get more theaters to upgrade their projection setups so that they can uh, project Avatar correctly. I, I don't know if you guys remember, there was all these... They had to put in new screens and new projectors and whole new systems um, so that we could yes, use yes, the yes. new 3D glasses to watch Avatar. <laughs> and so the question is... There were some is, 3D movies before that, though. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you were a big fan of those. Like I'll you take were really any uh, opportunity to uh, derail Sean to tell a lame <laughs> anecdote about like, oh, I went to, we call it, I went to Jury of the Center of the Earth in 3D in like 2008. No, I didn't see that. Really? Oh, Beowulf, yeah, I just, right? I did see Beowulf opening That's night. what you, cause I remember you saw one of them <laughs> yes. with me. I couldn't remember which yeah. one. Yeah. I was pumped so, for that the for Earth was some with, reason. Was with my my family. I think it was just those yeah. two. Obviously, Spy Kids 3D or much earlier, not as good 3D, but was Robert Rodriguez who'd go on to do Battle Angel, so he clearly impressed Big Jim. Because Spy um, Kids 3D used like the paper glasses yeah. with like uh, yep. weird gel, and paper. I kept telling you to take them on and off. Yeah, it wasn't for uh, the whole movie. Another movie that did that was Superman Returns. I don't know uh, if anyone else saw yeah. that in IMAX. I Didn't we all that. see it together in yeah. IMAX? I swear I did. I thought we did. Mm-hmm. Then, well, then you'll yeah. remember there'd be like, put glasses on now would be a subtitle that showed up on the screen. <laughs> and you do it. Yes. And then be in 3D yes, for a little bit. Wild. And you take them back off. Man, how, how fucking fun was that? At the beginning of 3D, right? <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. It was fun, and then it and then it ruined movies for a while. Avatar is a big yeah. part of that. So the problem was that Avatar, uh, while it didn't have like the biggest opening weekend ever, or anything like that, it just had legs, and people kept seeing Avatar. Mm-hmm. Through the end of 2009 and well into 2010, people just kept seeing Avatar. and Because uh, they want to live up, there, Sean. Yeah, everyone wants to live on the moon of Pandora. Um, it ends up being the highest grossing movie of all time. That later is defeated by Avengers Endgame, but then Avatar came out and re-released this year just so they could reclaim the title, I bet. Um which is funny because Disney owns both those movies now, so they're like sort of reclaiming the title from themselves. But whatever, uh, Avatar is our is our number one, not adjusted for inflation, highest grossing movie of all time. Uh, and because of that, everybody starts putting out movies in three D, um, and we get the terrible era of the uh, post processing where. Uh, movies are sh- uh, so what, what James Cameron did right is he he's shooting his movies in 3D he's shooting with two lenses basically two cameras uh, in the same way that we have two eyes um, and that allows him to shoot movies in 3D where you have uh, mainly depth right it looks more like things are deeper than the screen you're looking at than the the sort of 3D from before where it's like oh they're pointing at you or it's being stuff being thrown at you and stuff like that um the thing is that's really expensive and hard to do and not a lot of filmmakers are willing to do it and so you have a lot of 
uh, other movies that are still released in 3D, they were shot in 2D, and then are just converted into being uh, in 3D, uh, which is uh, not so good. <laughs> it kind of sours. It seems like everybody on the technology. I don't know if there's anyone out there who is like, you know what, 3D is still really great, even when it's done poorly, and I love it so much. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember TVs what's the come worst. Out and fail. What is the worst? I don't know. The worst 3D movie I've seen. That's what I'm trying to remember. I can't remember if I saw Clash of the Titans in 3D. Did any of you guys see Clash of the Titans with me? I've not the, seen those no. movies. Okay. Well, then maybe I saw that in 3D. Also a same word. I, I, I do know that uh, they say release the Kraken in one of those. But that is... The oh, it's fun. Actually, that first one... Knowledge. Okay. It's not the worst. <laughs> um... Sam Worthington is is fine. Oh, that reminds me. I wanted to bring this up. Uh, this isn't that much of a tangent. So mm-hmm. Sam Worthington wasn't the first choice for Jake Sully. You guys probably oh. maybe have heard who it was before, right? Or have you not? I have no idea. This is a, this is a great no. fun fact if you've never heard it before. So it was offered to Matt Damon. Along with 10, I think it was 10% of, I'm not sure, of maybe some other profit somewhere. I don't think it was like of the, like the, gro- like the gross. It was a, a big, big percentage points. Uh, but he turned it down because he had to do, I, I can't remember which born it would have been, maybe like ultimatum. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and recently he was just like, I regret that so much. And James Cameron responded <laughs> to that. Like this is recent, recent. And James Cameron just said, get over it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But then I was wondering, it made me think, do you think if Matt Damon had starred in Avatar that it would have affected its success, like made it more successful or just as successful? Like, I, w- I always wonder if that would have changed it in any way. Mm, I don't feel like it would have affected it that much. Mm, I, it's, it's not that it would have changed Avatar that much. It would have changed course of cinema after avatar because we would have had a bunch of movies with matt damon in the leading role instead of stuff like invictus i mean he still started a lot of movies like i don't don't know what type of movies he would have done that would have been different from i i think we we would have gotten no some like really hugely expensive movies with matt damon like clash of the titans like Clash of Titans with Matt Damon. It seemed like because Avatar was in post-production for such a long time, there were movies that came out in the late 2000s, early 10, 2010s that were just like betting on Sam Worthington being a big star because of Avatar. Mm. It's like, we're just going to get him now and do a movie with him. Did it, like um, the Terminator movie. Didn't that actually come out before Avatar? Terminator Salvation? I feel like it was like the summer mm. before. I but know. I feel like he was only casting that because he was in Avatar. I'm not mm. 100% on that timeline, but it feels right in my head, can <laughs> Could have been. I just feel like I saw Terminator before I saw Avatar, Terminator Salvation. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if how involved James Cameron was in that, but it doesn't seem like very much because... Um, the, the one Terminator sequel after two that uh, he 
seemed to actually have his hands in a fair bit was Terminator Dark Fate, uh, which came out in 2019, the same year that Battle Angel Alita finally came out. Um, uh, and mainly he's out there now apologizing because he says he was a, a little too um, obsessed with bringing back Linda Hamilton and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger and should have focused a little more on having a good story and a little less on bringing back those people. Um, I wish he had just gone a step further and said, focus a little more on not tainting the se- the whole franchise with another unnecessary sequel. <laughs> He'll get it right eventually. <laughs> this week, the week we're recording this podcast, James Cameron was on some podcast talking about the possibility, like there's discussions about another Terminator, but oh that he God. doesn't want it to be about killing machines. He wants it to be about AI. Not sure what that means, but that okay. sounds so like, like Skynet, a, I guess. Uh, sure. Yeah, I don't know. AI. No more robots. Uh, We're done with robots, which it seems like a big part of Terminator. So I don't really get it. Well, and that's sort of what. Remember, Dark Fate seemed like it was setting that up, where they're like, "We stopped Skynet," and then another thing happened. But then the the other thing was like, basically Skynet. They made different kind of Terminator. Sean, for years, I feel like you and I were talking about the way you do a Terminator sequel is to set it in the past before we have, you know, like in like the Civil War, or the Revolutionary War or something. And then they finally yeah. did that for Predator and it was a, and yeah. it really worked out for them. It was great. They should have listened to us. I'm so pissed off we didn't get fucking Revolutionary War Terminator. <laughs> well, we got Cowboys and Aliens. Uh, yeah, I guess that everyone was pretty, uh, satisfied with that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no complaints. I'm sure the 3D was great on that movie. Sure, something Harrison yeah. really wanted to try. Just like I'm sure the 3D was great on Titanic when it was re-released and remastered in 2012. Mm. Another project James Cameron found time to do. That's right. After the success of Avatar. Um... <laughs> Along with this, he did a documentary where they used new research to uh, redo the CGI on how the ship sank. Oh. And, uh, also, you've probably seen the clip of Neil deGrasse Tyson complaining about how <sighs> constellations of the sky are wrong. And James Cameron fixed that, too, because he's that kind of guy. Um, so you, if you were in theaters in 2012 the 100-year anniversary of the Titanic sinking you got to see that sweet new special effects in 3D uh, what else did James Cameron do in the 13 years between Avatar and Avatar 2 why James Cameron's story of science fiction for AMC of course I think John watched this Ah, uh, yeah fun to see him and uh ridley scott talk about science fiction it's like do you guys know you both did an alien <laughs> they didn't really get into it it's kind of weird they didn't know they didn't know they never <laughs> met i feel like another thing that happened in this time that i heard about was james cameron like um like his family being like we need to have a talk and being like dude you've been a bad dad we need to like be more of a family unit and him like trying yep. to readjust his life and I feel like that must have had a big influence on the way of water seeing that it's a movie about family 
I think you're on something there, John, for sure. So he's less of a douche these days, it sounds like, though still... I just saw, like, this clip today of him, like, walking out of some, I don't know what it was, some building or something. There's a bunch of guys like, hey, can I get an autograph? Can I get an autograph? He doesn't say anything. He gets into his car, and then right before the car pulls away, he opens the window and just flips them off, and then they drive off. Did he really get asked for autographs that often? In this, like, in this not, occasion, he did. He's not that recognizable. Like, I can see, I can see this from both sides. I can see his annoyance with this situation, and I can see people being like, "Come on, it's just a few people sign some autographs." But yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. It could have been a bad day. I don't think we should be too hard on him for it. But it certainly doesn't help his case of being salty. <laughs> Yeah, like the sea. and perhaps that that desire to uh, to get away from people is what led him to be the first person ever in history to do a solo exploration of the deepest part of the Mariana Trench, uh, which is another thing he did now ten years ago in 2012. Um, while he was down there, James Cameron discovered new species of sea cucumbers, squid worms, and giant single-celled amoeba. Oh, wow! Actual. Did he get to name contributions? Do that's a great question. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if he even discovered. It. I mean, it could be that you know he just shot the footage that scientists used to identify new species. I just I would love to know. There's a sea, cu- sea cucumber called Tom Arnold somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's the dream. The dream never dies. The dream never dies. <laughs> Until we have one. Um, but of course, supposedly the main thing he's been working on this past decade plus are the Avatar sequels. So in 2013, James Cameron announces a plan to make up to Avatar 5 by 2028. So we got another six years. Which Does that still work? 2024 for three? Uh, 2026 for four? Yeah, 2028 for five. Yep. We're still on track for his master plan. Um, his budget has more than doubled again, so it was $300 million for Avatar. He's now been given an estimated billion dollars to make uh, Avatar 2 and 3. Uh, although, like I was saying before, some people seem to be suggesting that some of 4 is also being shot, or has been shot. Uh, it's... I... I, I, I it sounds like even Bob Iger doesn't know for sure so what do I know Um, but uh, there are definitely people who have been cast that were not in this second one at the very least so I guess we'll look forward to meeting David Thewlis' character uh, in the third one Uh, um, he also put together a small writer's room to help him write these sequels uh, the interesting thing uh, about his approach is that he didn't tell the writers which sequel they were going to be working on uh, because he thought if he told them which one they were each going to do they would not be interested in crafting the complete story around all the sequels um, so I guess they worked as a group and then James Cameron worked with each uh, writer individually to, to write these sequels so 
Um, the two that are credited on this one are Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver. Uh, they're the screenwriting duo that did the um, Rise of the Planet of the Apes reboot trilogy. Uh, they also wrote Jurassic World and In the Heart of the Sea and the Mulan remake. Uh, for the third one, Josh Friedman is our co-writer. He worked on the Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles show, oh. uh, as well as the script for the War of the Worlds movie that the Fablemans did. Uh, and uh, Terminator Dark Fate is one of his. Uh, and one of his great shames is he also wrote The Black Dahlia in 2006. Uh-oh. Not one of our favorites on this podcast. <laughs> That's definitely in my although maybe my five, would have been better in three. My like bottom five of movies I wanted to leave. <laughs> wow. Right. I mean, we all got our bottom fives, right? Movies. Just, just. I, there's got to be times where you're like, I am so close to walking out of this movie. I only can think of two movies where I was like, we should probably. Just I know one of them is one I was either at. Of those cases. <laughs> I, I think you were at both of them. Okay, both of them. Yeah, well, well, the two that I think of where I was like this close to being to like turning to you guys and being like, let's just leave were uh Ghost Rider yeah. and The Happening. Mm. I no, I don't maybe you, but I was with my dad and that would have been weird. Because <laughs> my dad never walks out of a movie. I don't think he ever did. I mean I haven't either. But I've gotten close. Ghost yeah. Rider uh, Black Dolly, and not, not close, but I feel like we we had that energy of we want to leave or we want this to end. Yeah, <laughs> and well, I feel like Love Guru, Colin, I, I you you kind of get that vibe at a certain point. <laughs> and then I don't know. I feel like we yeah we knew we should leave. We knew we but should. Like it was it was pretty funny how bad it was. <laughs> And then the only, I think the only movie on my list of movies I almost walked out of that's good is Under the Skin. Uh, Because I took Autumn and she had no idea what it was. And it just was not, just to say it's not a good date movie. It It wasn't working out too well. Got close. Yeah. Um. The last of the writers that he's working with is Shane Salerno, the screenwriter of Armageddon and uh, Savages and uh, that Shaft movie from 2000. Is it just called uh, Shaft? Call oh, yeah, that one, Shaft, yeah. Yeah. It's confusing because there's the other one that's like Shafts. <laughs> <laughs> that that one was called? also called. I think it's also called Shaft. Oh, it's They're all shaft? called Shaft, except even for... though it had the shafts. Yeah, that's f- so weird. Because it's like there's three Texas Chainsaw Massacres, but they're all like different movies. All the shafts are like connected. They're all in the same <laughs> universe. <laughs> the shafts. I like shafts. <laughs> With a dollar sign. <laughs> Two dollar signs. Oh my god, you had to start and end. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta spend money to make money. There's your tagline. Um, <laughs> um, so they've written Avatar 2, 3, 4, 
and five now. Um, all the scripts have been finished as of 2017, uh, which is five years ago, which is like a you know a whole Marvel phase ago. They were done with all these scripts, um, and and like I've been saying, I have no idea really what's been shot and what hasn't, um, what will come out, what's up in the air. Um, it seems like it's all just riding on on how well Avatar The Way of Water does at the box office. Um, and I wanted to focus on the writing because um, there's a part of me that wants to call the writing of Avatar The Way of Water bad. But I don't feel like I can. So can you guys tell me why something with as dumb a dialogue as this works. Is it just because it's sincere? I think it is that it's sincere. I think that, you know, even though maybe the dialogue is bad and some of the world building is silly, I think the general focus of the film, at least for me, is clear and simple, actually. It's not that complicated of a movie if you really break it down. No. You know, this bad guy wants Jake Sully dead, and then there's also they're stealing the whale goo because makes you immortal. Which, by the way, that's not even introduced to like two and a half hours of the movie. <laughs> and then it's suddenly a big deal. It's like it's, you, we find out that the, that's the main reason people are there. You're like, oh, interesting. So it's like very convenient that they move to the water portion of the world because that's where. Yeah. That's why the humans came here. Like, no one even gives a shit about unobtainable. But no, I mean, yeah, a lot of the, the the scenes of just people or Navi interacting, yeah, they're kind of uh, embarrassing and melodramatic. You know, there's... there's uh, We went to that screening show. We went to IMAX. Um, and I feel like that was, the, that was the right crowd. You know, there's definitely people who are excited to see it, and people were still snickering at a lot of lines, and I don't entirely blame them for that. There's a couple times... I feel like there's... There's one scene where I wanted to laugh. It's not even that funny. It's not even that cheesy. It just it's just like near the end when these like sully stick together. <laughs> it just I thought it was really funny seeing like a weird cat man say that to his weird cat alien family. <laughs> sully stick together. Um But yeah, no, I think as long as like people are invested in like the simple story beats and the visual the visual storytelling. You could take out a lot of the dialogue. This movie still plays pretty well. Uh, it would work. So I don't. I don't blame the, the dumbass things they say. Um, I like uh, a lot of the individual moments, um, especially basically everything that goes on in the final battle sequence. Um, I also think there's. Like it's it's blunt, but it's a it, the movie's very effective at communicating who each of the characters are, what their personality is, and 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 how they're coming into conflict with each other. Um, it's not ex- exactly like breaking any new ground, but you can really easily relate to to each of the Sully kids. Uh, more importantly, you can tell them apart and keep track of them, which is. I guess, Kind of a Actually, no, I couldn't tell apart the the two sons for early in the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But, also, but could later not on, okay. could not name most of them. Colin, 
Can how many of the uh, Navi characters can you name? Zero. <laughs> Zero. Are you sure? You don't think you can name one of the kids? I, I could because uh, when I walked out, I could at least name two. I had to go learn the two names of the sons later. <laughs> I, I knew the names of the daughters at least. I was just wondering if those stuck with someone like you. Uh, no, nah, I already forgot. No. Yeah, sorry. I don't. And, and Colin has seen this movie most recently. Like Colin yeah. saw this movie like less than 48 one, hours ago one day after you sean you've been doing your research so i'm yeah. sure you can at, at least at this point you know the names yeah uh what well, colin yeah, know what so they are kiri and tuke are the daughters <laughs> sigourney weaver is, is kiri uh tuke is short for tuke tiri which is uh i just think notable because it sounds like it took the end of natiri's name yeah so there's something going on there um the sons are netayam and lo ak uh those are harder names to remember uh, for whatever reason for me as well um maybe they just say kiri way more often uh, oh they do i thought it was kitty for problems. for like uh for like 15 minutes in watching the movie kitty well maybe they're rolling why couldn't he have given one of them like a stupid uh earth american name there's one named like Loak, and then there's one named like Hank or something. Brad. Brad. Um, Brad. Because, <laughs> because uh, Jake Sully is the ultimate white guy. Where uh, whenever he encounters a new culture, he is like, "I understand and relate to this new culture, and I will be accepted into it, and it is my life." Yeah. Also, I'm the leader of it now. And also, I'm the leader. I'm better at it than everyone. Yeah. Also, it's 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 okay if I have dreads now. It's not a problem. <laughs> you know that was. I feel like there were some like complaints about the Avatar movies in terms of like representation. At least I guess in the, I guess in the first movie, all the Navi's were played by people of color. But I know they changed that a little bit for this one. And I don't know. I don't know if that's a problem. Like, is it a problem that Kate Winslet is doing some sort of accent as Ronal? I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say when it's like they're a, aliens. Yeah, I mean they they clearly. Yeah. I mean, like in this one, they're definitely drawing uh, from you know like oceanic tribes or, or Maori, you know, or, or island people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and they're they're doing a lot of the you know, like like they're doing that tongue thing, and they have the the tattoos. Um, I guess it is hard just being like some you know like just a bunch of generic white guys like us to weigh in on that. But I, I do wonder, yeah, uh, how much else. of a conversation <laughs> that should be. I yeah. did feel like I was really thrown back in the deep end. Uh, oh, nice! The cultural appropriation of this franchise uh, when it starts with. Um, the Navi um, attacking a like space train, uh, and this sequence is very much in the same style as a a like Native American train robbery scene you'd mm, see in a Western yeah. movie. Mm. Um, and I I I don't know if it's problematic. <laughs> I mean, it it feels like at least it's a little bit problematic, mm-hmm. um, but but yeah, people with more knowledge can 
weigh in on that elsewhere. Um, what I do know is that I like seeing giant space vehicles and mechs uh, in glorious 3D. And if this is the way that we get to get them, uh, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to, to pay this price. Um, I also think the message of the movie is, is so very benign that, like, who gives a shit? It's not... You know, I mean, the, the the Avatar one, it's like, oh, we should be nice to indigenous populations and uh, colonizing places and capitalism are bad. And this one adds to it, whaling is also bad. It's like... But yeah, it has all the depth of a coexist bumper sticker. Really thoughtful <laughs> uh, political messages from from James Cameron, uh, who is of course like seeing the effects of uh, global warming firsthand with his work in the ocean, but also uh, is you know probably super rich. And when you're super rich, you can only be so in touch with the world's problems, right? <clears throat> well, this yeah, is why sure he makes this movie. Fly it on. <laughs> to make himself sleep at night. He makes this movie to educate. <laughs> Traveling us. the world. So he can feel better after flying around in his private jet and pumping CO2 into the atmosphere. <laughs> um, but, um, I. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say I have no interest in trying to go through the plot with you guys. Not uh, really. That's fine. Um, yeah, let's just talk about <laughs> things that we thought were neat. I would say in terms of story, the thing that I was actually most invested in was Korich, uh, who like I feel like m- might have the most like screen time. I don't know about probably not, but he's in the movie quite a bit. Now yeah. in the body of an avatar. Uh we get that great scene where we get to see Which, live action Stephen Lang telling him like you're dead but you won't be cuz I'm going to make it yeah you uh so, you want to add something to that I, just in doing a little bit of reading online i when i saw the movie my takeaway is that they made a backup of his brain mm-hmm. and put it in an avatar body so he is that avatar but some people online suggest that they made a human clone of him that's somewhere else and he's controlling the avatar like an avatar. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious, what was your guys takeaway? Is is he just an avatar now or is, is he a clone human with an avatar body? I thought that he was he literally just had Korich's memories. That's all that made him Korich, was that in his mind he remembers all these. Otherwise, totally different. Because he keeps saying in the movies, like, we're not, like, when he's talking to his his son Spider, it's like, we're not even actually really related. Yeah, so it's like, just based on how he acted throughout the the, the movie, I I just, I I think of him as a different guy that just has the, the memories. Okay. Because I feel like they are. Yeah, it's funny that for as much as this movie over-explains, I feel like they I, they tend to tiptoe around the most complicated part or most confusing part. Which is fine. Well, I think that's a good way to do it. Do you, want, do you want to talk about the most confusing part or do you want to talk more about Porridge? You can know. Tell me what the most confusing part is. The most confusing part is in it's in the first five minutes 
where they're explaining the Sully family and Kiri explains that she was born uh-huh. from Grace's avatar after Grace died. And she does not know who the father was or even if there was a father. What the fuck, man? I mean, obviously there's something they're going to explain in another one. So that they didn't feel the need to touch it at all because it's not what this one's about. <laughs> but, but why do something so weird and gross? Because it'll be... Trust me, we'll be satisfied later. <laughs> We're going to be nice. Plus, there are some right theories there. within the movie. Remember when they're like, oh, I bet Norm's the dad. And then I'm thinking like, oh, God, so Norm's like a rapist? That's that's a weird joke. Yeah. Or I guess they meant or before. Or they were just like... Yeah, like their avatars were hooking up when they Because he's in a lot of her like uh, webcam footage, just hanging out. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, think. Yeah. I I think I took it to the play, the darker place. This Good to see Norm. Very he dark. Sucks. Kill Bill territory. Um, yeah. No, I'm fine with it because I I keep I'm, I'm I'm keeping in mind that like this is something that we're gonna learn later. Though this movie doesn't do that thing that so many crappy franchise movies do where you feel like they're holding back a lot because, like, we're going to get to this. There's yeah, only sprinklings right? of it's... things. But for the most part, we get to see what we want to see. Which I like. Especially with this type of thing where, like, uh, like the Matrix sequels and the Pirates of the Caribbean first couple sequels. Like, they shot this back-to-back. Um, and those movies so much just feel like a hey, we're picking things up and setting stuff up for a third movie and nothing will conclude at all in the second movie and, and here um, it feels like a complete story um, with the exception of that uh, dangling plot thread about her parentage and all, and also uh, whatever the hell Edie Falco is doing <laughs> they just introduce her character and then we never see her again General exposition. <laughs> Did you see her quote about this movie recently where she didn't realize that she thought it came out like years ago and just bombed because she didn't like hear about it because she felt it so yeah. long ago. She's like, oh, it came out now? I didn't even know. That's great. Just goes to show how long really... this, this the production was for this movie. Well, yeah, and, and COVID probably fucked with everyone. I think COVID did push. I think COVID pushed real. it back by like a whole year. Yeah, uh, so definitely a part of it. Um, but yeah, the virgin birth, obviously, some or not obvious, not obvious at all. But maybe probably like some Jesus thing or something, or she's gonna be, sure. she is Awa or her mom's Awa or I don't know. Something to do with the yeah, magical well, tree. Yeah. I'm fine with control it. Control the fish and anemones and stuff. That was my favorite character, with the exception that I actually did not like that Sigourney Weaver played that character. <laughs> <laughs> I love Sigourney, but I feel like if you got an actual age-appropriate um, actress to play that part, it would have been more effective. It was just, it was a little weird. Um. And I've been trying to justify it in my head why he did this, and I think the strongest reason is he likes working with Sigourney Weaver. But I think he probably also recognized that this is a such a lengthy 
production that if you cast a young actor, they will have their voice change during the production of this. And that might not mesh with what his plan is for this character. Uh, yeah, but you know, can go. You can be, get like someone in their twenties or thirties, and, and probably be safe. Yeah, you sure could. You sure <laughs> could. You, you, you don't have to like live with the weirdness. 70s. Yeah, someone who is twice the age of her quote unquote dad, being like, "Dad, I don't know what to do." <laughs> I still like the character. Could also, yeah, you know, it's also probably just like he wanted to give the movie more sort of ties to the first one cast wise because even like sam worthington in this movie is not seen on screen at all so there's like not not that many human actors from that first movie that you could connect to this one because mm. you're just hanging out with cg people uh in cg places in cg places for the entire film and uh like yeah sigourney weaver was like one of the few people who was like super famous who was in the first one that they could put in this one yeah um but speaking of that reality um i so my experience with avatar one was i saw it in theaters and i was blown away and i loved it and then a couple years later i watched on tv and I was like, this looks bad. I don't like this anymore. Uh, and then I never returned to it. Um, with Avatar 2, watching it in theaters, I have no idea what was fake anymore. I mean, obviously the Navi are fake. But you could convince me that there was not an actual drop of water in the entire movie. And I would believe you. Because i I have i have no sense of reality anymore when it comes to environments um whether that's plants or rocks or skies it it all looks real to me i I cannot differentiate it all anymore Mm -hmm. um i think it i think just the 3d helps a lot because i saw that first avatar in the re-release a couple months ago and it still looked good to me um honestly i feel like maybe that first one still uses the 3d in a more interesting way than this one even if the visuals are probably cooler in this one um so i don't i mean it's also that thing where most movies just look better on a on a theater screen uh than they do at home for some reason even though it feels like they should look worse since they're like blown up so you should be able to see all the flaws but it doesn't work that way yeah um speaking of the visual technology you guys also saw this in the high frame rate version as well yeah Mm -hmm. because i i did also uh not in imax though like you guys did uh what were your thoughts on that <laughs> oh um it looks very much like I, I was telling sean it looks like uh those video game like real-time action sequences like there's a part where um where jake Sully's fighting uh quaritch with knives and i i kept I, I was saying like i kept imagining it saying like press a on the screen 
But it, like, it looked like a really good video game. So, like, I liked it. Yeah. But it did look, like, weird. Like, it didn't look... It just looked... did feel like real life. <laughs> but that was cool. Um, it was really fun in 3D. Yeah. I honestly had trouble noticing the transitions back between 48 and, you know... Because it went back and forth, right? It wasn't all 48. Yeah. That's yeah. so funny, because I had the opposite experience. Because um, I have... Um, a high frame rate monitor and a high frame rate television. Um, so I am often looking at stuff at 60 frames per second or uh, even faster. Um, so uh, it does, it's not as jarring to me to see stuff at a high frame rate. Like 48 frames per second is not that high to me anymore. Um, <laughs> and, but what's, what stands out to me is when it makes that transition. That to me was the video game part because that, felt like i was going from the pre-rendered cinematic into gameplay Uh, every time i made that transition i was it took me out of the movie and i was like why why is it not all in the same frame rate why did they make this decision to have it switch yeah that did Um, kind of bug me too like i think i did eventually get used to it but it like took maybe three quarters of the movie like my eyes just never quite adjusted to just being like okay in some shots it's faster and some shots it isn't and like yeah you do have to wonder why they couldn't do all of the shots in the same frame rate when it seems like all of it is so like <laughs> synthetic like like i don't know it just felt like they weren't using like real cameras or real actors for so much of the movie. It's like, why? What was different about these certain shots? I guess maybe they were shots when they did have to like actually show a real like marine in a scene or something. I, I really don't know. I that's what it felt like to me was most of the time when it would go back down to twenty four, it would be because they were flesh humans, not avatar humans. Yeah. Um, on screen um that all said when it was all working uh, mm-hmm. i'm talking about scenes like them learn the that the kids learning how to um dive and how to uh ride their fish buddies yeah um, scenes like that uh in imax in 3d at 48 frames per second looked incredible i yeah, mean I, I, just, I loved looking at it mm-hmm It was, a, it was a feast. My my eyes were eating so well, and I say this as someone who saw a laser light show literally <laughs> within an hour of the start of the movie. Oh man! Yeah, so Sean and I saw this at the Boeing IMAX at the Pacific Science Center in Seattle, and there were technical difficulties. We never really got more information on what that meant, um, but we had like an extra hour to kill so they're like you can go see the laser light show for free <laughs> just tame impala and i don't know about you sean but i after about three songs i was bored out of my mind <laughs> and i like tame impala but and i kept joking that we try to leave and the lasers would like block our path like they wouldn't let us leave but um yeah it's funny how like that's like that's there i'm seeing these lasers in front of me but pff, 
Yeah, this doesn't stand a chance of fucking Avatar, man. Get these fucking lasers out of here. <laughs> um, there was a nice escalation to the laser laser. I don't think I was bored within three songs because, like, the first song, they're just doing, like, just red lasers. And then the second song, they're doing, like, lasers that are in a bunch of colors. And, like, True. The third song, they're doing, like lights are part of it it's lasers and well lights. i wanted them to make more laser yeah. images because there's one part where they make a laser tv and i was mm-hmm. like oh my god i hope when they do elephant they'll make a laser elephant and he'll be like wagging his tail <laughs> no yeah. elephant but nope no elephants i remember the same thing about um the other laser light show i had seen there which was half my lifetime ago i went and saw laser floyd where they did uh, dark side of the moon in its entirety um and i remember during time they're like here's a bunch of clocks we're making a bunch of laser clocks and then not really any images like mm. that for the rest of the show sean do you know what the cash value of that laser oh, light mo- oh you know what speaking of cash money they did cash registers of that because there's literal cash register sounds <laughs> uh, i was looking at the cash value on that free show we saw those tickets if we'd paid to see it were 2250 Wow! To see that, which is like it's got to be roughly the price of the what the Avatar IMAX tickets are close, <laughs> which is insane yeah. to think about because we're lucky they don't charge for movie tickets by the minute. <laughs> the longer, Jesus Christ! Uh, no, no, that's good. We're kind of doing this out of order, but I, I have something that I'm I'm burning to ask you guys, and I just want to know: Oh, is this better than the first movie? I can't think of a measure where it's not better than the first movie. It's a better story, better characters, better special effects. Um, well, I, I can think of the argument for, but I want to know, Colin. I want to know your take. Mm, I don't know. I feel like they're about the same. I don't know. I don't know if it's a better story. It's less derivative, I guess, but it's also not as clean. Like, Jawa's talking about the fact that, like, they introduced the importance of this uh, whaling, this whale brain juice. Immortality juice, yeah. <laughs> two, two hours into a three-hour movie, and the rest yeah. of the time we're just supposed to believe that, um, like, the space marines have put all their resources just so that this dead clone guy can have his revenge on one guy who uh-huh. killed him, like, years ago. And I'm like, hey, they why, robbed why the is train. everybody so behind this? They robbed the train. Yeah, I, I, I guess, but it just seemed like it was all just so this this guy could get his revenge on Jake Sully. Uh, but yeah, the water. Here's, bit, my, here's my counterpoint, though. Yeah, Jake Sully is boring. Victory mm-hmm. is scary, but their kids are cool. I want to hang with them. Yeah, they're fine. I also had the problem where I couldn't differentiate the sons from each other. Guys, uh, not until so they easy. gave them You've their own like son who's a character and son who's definitely going to die. Mm-hmm. But like visually, it took me a minute to remember which one like had the diff- slightly different hairstyle. 
<laughs> okay, now the, yeah, the that's, argument that's more of the problem, I guess. It's just it just felt like I was watching the same character go through two different arcs. <laughs> now, backtracking so to just... uh, to comparing the two, the yeah. argument I hear for the first one for people that prefer the first one is uh, that we get that ex- we get that experience of of like being like a normal person like Jake Sully and then like stepping into the world of Pandora. You know, we experience it as we, you know, with him. And then yeah. he's a human, yeah. we're humans watching it. And then we kind of lose that element once it's all CG people with the exception of Spider. Um, so I, I can get that if you like that kind of story. Because it's easier to imagine yourself in that story where it's like it's a lot harder <laughs> to imagine yourself in this movie. Uh, I wonder if as many people will have the Avatar Blues after pandora blues whatever they call it after this one i don't know Uh, yeah i mean i did enjoy spending time in this world again as easy as it is to make fun of these movies for being sincere and silly and like uh having very clunky dialogue but like at the end of the day they're really awe-inspiring to watch and give you an experience that um, blockbuster movies do not really try to give you, where it's just like it's just like this peaceful feeling that kind of washes over you as you watch. Uh, I don't know these amazing images of kind of like a heightened Earth wash over you. Yeah, it's it, it's nice and unique. I think. Yeah, I like this one better personally. Um... Mm-hmm. I like the environment. I find the environment of the the ocean, uh, the sea, more interesting than the jungle. And I like the characters better. I like the family. Um, I mean, I guess the first one has a lot of the same people. It, it's. I mean, Natiri obviously has a lot more to do in the first one than in this one. So she's a stronger character in the first movie. Yeah. They they, they yeah. did the same thing they did in uh, the Hotel Transylvania movies. <laughs> They take an interesting, tough lady, and they're like, now she is mom. Mm-hmm. That is all that she cares about being is mom. It's true. Um, but no, I like all the sea stuff. The whaling stuff is, is sad, but very compelling. Uh, I love it when that whaler loses his arm. That's definitely the, yeah, the standout moment. Because he cut the whale's fin off. It's a karmic justice. It's, it's <laughs> great. I love that it's done in a wide shot. Just there's something funny about it. it's satisfying and funny and brutal all at the same time. Comedy lives in the wide shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very curious to see where I will end up ranking this in my top ten. I was actually just looking at our top tens from 2009 to see where we all ranked Avatar back then. Yeah, how did we do? Can you guys guess within your own top ten where you think you ranked it? DNF. D did didn't even make the top ten. Oh, uh, that's a pretty good guess for your list, John. You put it at ten. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna guess three. Uh, Colin, you put it at. Hold on, I'm looking at my list. I put it at three on mine, which I'm actually surprised I didn't put it at one. You gave it five stars. This is the only I, time in the I know. I think I actually went back and changed a it five like a couple stars. years later, though. What? <laughs> gotta let it be, man. <laughs> I was hoping no one would remember that, but clearly Colin remembers that. 
I remember. Compet at seven. Just above really? Adventure Land, just mm. underneath Precious. <laughs> wow. We all loved Up in the Air. I guess I, I still like Up in the Air. It's just it's all it's so high in everyone's list. It's Collins one. It's my two, and it's Sean's three. My number one is... One, two, three. It's bizarre. It's a movie I have not watched since I saw it in theaters. I think I can guess. Yeah, you know what it is. It's a crazy heart. It's crazy heart. <laughs> won an Oscar for Best yeah. Actor. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe it won a song Oscar for The Weary Kind. Colin Farrell's in there. I bet it's still an okay movie. Number one, though. Oh, my God. I can't believe I put fucking Crazy Heart number one. My list, I don't agree with my list at all. The Road is number four. That's way too high. <laughs> I like how that I have Drag Me to Hell. Bruno made I my mean, top ten. Hangover made okay. my top ten. We probably saw, like, 15 movies that year. <laughs> we weren't seeing everything. Yeah, I'm trying so to see if there's like, any other funny... It was just the best of what we saw. Let's see. Sean's list looks pretty respectable. I'm going to assume yours is pretty respectable too, Colin. Mm, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, it's pretty respectable. I'm, I'm the only person who didn't put Star Trek on their... Uh, <laughs> oh, a movie yeah, I dude. also saw in, in yeah, IMAX. I like J.J. Abrams. Uh, <laughs> I like that movie. It's in my honorable mentions. So... Remember when we all liked the hangover? Colin, I, I wanted to ask you a question before. Ah, uh, yes. Um, how happy were you when Loak is uh, talking to uh, Pyacon and Pyacon starts talking back and there are subtitles and he's talking in complete sentences and we find out the whales could just talk? <laughs> that was cool. Because I can tell you, I was so happy. I like the whale a lot. He is the best character. I like it because he fucking he kills. But like we oh, find yeah. he kills for good. It's fucking bad. He, he fights, fights for his family. He fights for yeah, family. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> you were gonna say it too. Oh, man. Brains are broken. He's the best. Pyacon's the best character. He deserves an Oscar nomination for supporting actor. His Oscar clip will be him saying it's too painful. <laughs> that that got a laugh, which I don't think was the intent of the film. Well, I think that was the first subtitled line. Like yeah, it the, was the first confirmation that we're going to actually just get whale subtitles, which is funny. That's a funny thing. It's very fun. It's very funny. This is why they should make an Echo the Dolphin in the movie. It would work. You know what wasn't ever funny the entire movie? Yeah. What was? Jermaine Clement. Um, wasn't supposed to be funny. You know you know who auditioned for this part? Mark Marin. <laughs> what? Uh, Can't you just funny. imagine him doing the line, though, where he's like, This is why I drink. Yeah, honestly... Mark Mayer might have been better for I this kinda liked role. No, I, I just Dr. feel Ian like Garvin. I just feel like he was distracted by doing an American accent. It didn't, mm, didn't yeah. seem as like he was his natural self. It's focusing. Too it hard. is harder. Yeah. It, well, the thing is, I can definitely imagine Mark Marin being disillusioned by the operation, 
but it's hard for me to mm-hmm. think that he ever had passion for it. <laughs> uh, but I think that would have worked pretty well. It is interesting what people make their ways into these movies because, like, I, nobody knows who that guy who played the whaling captain is. He's pretty good, but it's just like it's so random. It's like, okay, this guy. Yeah. Or like any of the kids, like you know, not like any of them are, are people that I know. I guess they're just people like, okay, can you dedicate like five years to this? That's probably a big part. It's probably such a huge time commitment that it's hard to sign on anyone too big. Mm-hmm. Though we did get Kate Winslet, and she broke the holding her breath record for uh, an actor on screen or whatever the hell that record was. Yeah. Totally I worth it. I think she's it. also the first uh, heavily pregnant action hero I've ever seen. Is... <laughs> Just the image of her like leaping through the air and killing men while being like nine months pregnant is felt like something I'd never seen before. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember if Arnold Schwarzenegger like fights anybody in junior. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like Kindergarten Cop where you forgot like the beginning was an action movie and the end's a bit of an action movie. Yeah, you might be right on that. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, funny for like how much hype there was about her and holding her breath that her she wasn't in the movie that much. I, I yeah, guess I didn't even know what character she was until yeah. uh, <laughs> after <laughs> the credits rolled. Yeah, because uh, yeah, why get Kate Winslet to do a accent that makes it unrecognizable of what her voice is while she's playing a CG person? I don't know. Guess she just wanted to break that record. That's what she was in it for, for sure. Yeah, just gotta save Jack. Um, one one of the things that stood out to me is um, the Metkaina are there at the start of the final battle when Pyakon jumps on the ship and causes a Titanic to happen. <laughs> um, but then the end of the fight. It seems to just be Jake Sully and family. What happened to the rest of the Met Kaina during that battle at the end? Okay. I mean, it's hard to remember because there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, I think they retreated. A lot of them got killed, maybe. Did they all get killed? They all died. And the main ones are like, fuck this. <laughs> fuck <laughs> this. It'll be an ex- extended edition. God, who knows how long that'd be. Yeah, I can't even imagine. <laughs> and there's a lot, yeah, I mean, like I said, a lot of moving parts, a lot of people to keep track of. I think for a, a movie, though, where everyone is basically naked and blue uh, with a very similar aesthetic, it does a good job of... of, of I never felt lost by this movie, by the big picture part of this movie. There's probably, like, the nuances of this picture, yeah, are are weird and confusing. But for the most part, I feel like I always knew who was where. The action is, I mean, this is why James Cameron's one of the best. The action is so easy to follow, I think, for the most part. Mm -hmm. Fighting is is all great and all the stunts and stuff. Um. And maybe that's one of the, one of the parts of why it's, so, it's, easy, fun it's easy to overlook too. a lot because of that, too, probably. 
Um, yeah, you're saying like it's not concept. it's not super powered people fighting in the sky like all of Black Adam is. <laughs> it's you know uh, they're riding their dragons and they're fighting a space train. They're riding their fish. And they're they're fighting crab robots. Uh, but also there are scenes of them like tr- just trying to escape as a, as a ship is being flooded or uh, uh, getting into knife fights while they have to sneak around. It's it's inventive and different. And I love fine. that Quaritch always has to finish the movie with a knife fight. <laughs> He's always got to because in the first one he takes his big robot knife and starts fighting Jake Sully. In this one he gets out a knife starts fighting Sully. Hey, how did you like the the fact that um, Quaritch's son saves him? And I kind of thought that was I thought that was pretty compelling. I thought that was pretty interesting. Like I'm like this is like complicated relationship. I like it. <laughs> it's yeah. frustrating, I guess, but at the same time, that wasn't bad. I guess I would have been annoyed if he like sunk to the bottom of the sea and we don't see what happens. And then the next movie has to spend five minutes explaining how he didn't die there. I like that we just saw um, him be saved in the, in this one. Not have to deal with that. Yeah. I thought I would hate the spider character, and I didn't. Um, Some people because, don't like him, but I like him too. I mean, the idea of oh the 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 the, the Tarzan type character <laughs> in this story just doesn't feel welcome. It doesn't seem like a good idea. Um. But the way that they made him be kidnapped for most of the movie and also kind of forsaken by his adopted family, too. Like, Jake and the others don't make an attempt to go save Spider. And during the final standoff, Natiri threatens Spider. Um, it, it really shows what a shitty situation this poor kid's in. Um and and so I, I actually yeah I thought he was a, a good character to have in the movie, and, and I'm I'm happy to see more of this dynamic uh, with with the family and Porridge and Spider in the middle in the third one. Yeah, no, it's um, it's interesting because like, did he save him as kind of like an eye for an eye kind of thing? Because like, Korich you know, kind of saved him when Natiri was going to presumably cut his throat? Or is did he save him for... Because he cares about him or something. It's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's the most complex it dynamic for me in the film. Because yeah. uh, even though <laughs> I like Loak, I don't really care about him and Jake Sully's relationship. Because Jake Sully's just kind of lame douche army dad. <laughs> But I kind of like that yeah. Jake Sully's lame ar- uh, army douche dad. <laughs> I like that the central character is just like s- some regular guy. <laughs> that it's Sam Worthington. Doesn't distract me at all. Keeps me in the pocket. If it's Matt Damon, I don't know. I might be a little distracted. I don't know. Maybe. Can you get Ben Affleck in this? I don't know. I maybe. <laughs> They're friends. Spitball it's here. Hard Spitball. to imagine. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, 
Where are we at, Sean? We had 192 minutes yet on this record. Yeah, it really we gotta, seems like you're trying to we gotta stretch match it. <laughs> no, we got to match it, Colin. <laughs> We're going to make a three-hour podcast. We're going to do it. Okay, um, here's some filler uh, conversation. <laughs> John, did you ever think that the producer, John Landau, was the same guy who was Bruce Springsteen's manager? The name sounded so familiar that I'm like, I know I've heard this, but I don't, I don't think I made that connection. Yeah, I that, think I assumed the same at some name? point. Yeah, same name. John spelled J O N. Landau also mm. spelled the same way. Uh, yeah, I think at a certain point I was just like, oh, I guess Bruce Springsteen's yeah, manager up, also produces. Uh, James Cameron movies, I guess. Man, that guy must be oh, super oh, rich. Oh, oh, how good would it there be if this had a Bruce Springsteen theme song? <laughs> you hit me like an avatar. <laughs> Which is, I'm doing Miley Cyrus' Wrecking Ball, but that's Bruce Springsteen, but making it Avatar. Because Bruce Springsteen also has a song called Wrecking Ball. But it's not the a lot same of layers. Time. Yeah, it is not. It's an inception of a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, John Landau, co-producer on Dick Tracy, so he's uh, he's on his way to the Three Timers Club. <laughs> nice. I don't think we track producers, but yeah, hasn't produced that many movies, but has done the Avatars and Titanic, so he's he's doing fine, money wise. <laughs> Didn't even have to manage Bruce Springsteen. So I'm I'm at the IMDb goof section. Uh oh. Um, this is the worst goof section I've ever. I seen. mean, yeah, there's so much here that is like this is a fantastical world full of things that do not exist. So I'm very curious to see what we got. Well, you're going to be really disappointed because there is one item in the goof section right now. It's under miscellaneous only five out of 32 people in real time i'm watching this count go up i think it was 30 when the podcast started i found it interesting and uh those five people that found it interesting are idiots because (laughs) this does not make sense to me i'm going to read to you literally what it says there is a scene where in quotes spider tells in quotes kitty and in quotes loak that the Navis can breathe their air for hours, whereas he, parentheses, spider, can only breathe there for a few minutes. But throughout the movie, you can see, quotes, Porich and his men inhaling oxygen every few minutes in a given scene. So, I don't know what they're trying to point out, but it seems like he's refuting his own goof (laughs) with the second sentence because i believe what he's complaining about is that navi can't breathe earth air and then he says well then we see korich and his men inhaling oxygen but doesn't that isn't that isn't that exactly why they're doing it yeah because they're in an earth base and they can't breathe the oxygen so they have to breathe pandora air Every little, every yeah. while. And what the hell? 
How did this get posted here? Can you just can you just post a goof? Does it just go up? It's the Wild West, Sean. Have I ever told you I'm always I'm always like careful about I don't want this to get out too much because I don't want it to change. But that um our friend Michael put a fake quote for the Mothman prophecies on the Mothman prophecies IMDB. Last time I checked it was still really? up there. It might be down now, but it was up there for a long time. And it was it was the line was it looks like our friend the Mothman is up to his old tricks again. <laughs> so it's it, the the it's the Wild West on IMDb. You can pretty much put anything. I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's there. <laughs> looks like our pal the Mothman is up to his old tricks. Yeah, that's been up Said there for John like Klein. what since like 2013 or something. <laughs> I gotta make sure that I uh, like click like helpful <laughs> or you know I like this. Two out of two found it interesting. <laughs> I probably already did. <laughs> I guess it, it sounds like something you'd say. But what? What? What tricks? I mean, if you've actually seen the movie, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Some of these quotes by the end are just like there's one of the quotes is John Klein says, Jesus. And then at the very bottom, John Klein says, my God. <laughs> like, why even write that down? Mm. Ooh, should we watch this? Uh, Mothman future pick. Mm. I I remember liking it, even though I feel like it was a not well liked movie. It's uh, directed by Mark Pellington, who directed Arlington Road, which was the script that started the career of Aaron Kruger, who we talked about last time. <laughs> it's all it's all connected. Guys. Uh, yeah. It's like okay. water. It's it's all around us. It's endless. We're all a part of it. Um, remember when they came out with those, like, other potential Avatar titles? And then Wave of Water actually was, like, one of them, and then actually turned out to be one of the titles? Hmm. Yeah. I wonder what the next one was. Because they had... I, I wonder if I can find that right now. Because I like to imagine that those are all the titles that we're going to get. Cause, yeah, that article was from 2018. And Wave of Water turned out to be right. According to that, to this, the next one would be the seed bearer. That's our next. I one. thought it was the high ground. Um, and maybe there's like multiple sources that have different names or something. The but but the list that I see is Avatar: Way of Water, Avatar: The Seed Bearer, Avatar: The Tolkien Rider, and Avatar: The Quest for e- <laughs> Iwa. Iwa. Hell yeah, dude! I love them putting their. Uh... Weird animal names in the, the title. Rider. I mean, we just got to make that part of the lexicon, you know? I mean, we all know what the rise of Skywalker. We know Skywalker. We know that. We learned that name. We, we'll learn Tolkien Rider in Awa, even though I've seen two movies with it and I'm still not sure how to say it. Um, do you actually know what the rise of Skywalker means, though? Um, I don't. I mean, I don't feel like. I know what most of them mean, right? Well, actually, because, like, who's the Phantom Menace in the Phantom Menace? Is it Darth Sidious? 
Is it Darth Maul? Yeah. Okay, well, I don't know. No. So. But I don't know what Skywalker is rising. Uh, isn't that, wouldn't that be Rey? Because at the end. She's like, they're like, I, she's like, I always like that name. Skywalker. <laughs> Skywalker. <laughs> Everyone's like, boo. I wonder if I'll ever Renamed see that the movie dog again. Dog Skywalker. Um, you will. Okay. Yeah, probably. I've we'll still all I've still only seen again. all of the sequel movies once. Hmm. Never rewatched any of them. I wonder what I would saw get the me. First two twice. Maybe. I bet something could get me in the mood. It's, you know, possible. Uh, but yeah, dude, you know, they didn't know what the fuck they are doing with those movies. Big Jim, he knows what he's doing. They scripted all this shit out. He wrote them all. They're ready. Yeah. Uh, it it kind of, like, scares me to think about us doing this in, like, 20... 20 when's the last like 2028 or whatever it's still Eight. yeah god yeah. <laughs> we'll definitely still be doing our blog then because it'll never end i mean if we're doing it until 2028 then we'll be doing it for 20 years <laughs> for the 20th anniversary <laughs> <yeah>. jesus christ <laughs> so much has changed since we started that that blog that site yeah. It's insane to think about. Uh, yeah, I believe George W. Bush was president when we started that blog. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. true. That's wild. Yep. <laughs> that's... Okay, that's fucked up. <laughs> Fuck. Well... To another, you know, I'm I'm excited for our 20th anniversary. I'm excited for Avatar Five, The Quest for Iwa. Excited for all these other movies. Mm-hmm. I will say, going into all this Avatar hubbub, I was like, do we really need this many of them? We're gonna get so sick of them. But seeing that The Way of Water was, it's a big movie, but like, it's not a big story. I, I mean, it's one central part of of Pandora. It's basically the whalers and the marines against a, a group of Navi. I'm like, because it's a smaller scale and not like a battle for the whole planet with like lasers come out of the sky, I think they've given themselves a lot of room to explore other stories. And, and also a progression of time, which I assume they're probably going to get into in sequels. So I'm, I want them to do as yeah. many as they can now. I just hope they get a lot more wild with it with each sequel. Mm. I, I well I it's funny how excited I was just seeing that the new clan of Navi were a different color and like had different like you know tails and and, and they're like kind of almost like fins on their arms like th- that stuff I found so cool so to see more stuff like that like to see more clans of Navi or just to see more creatures to see more robots that's all a very exciting prospect hmm I don't know. I think I'd still be fine with just three of them. (laughs) You don't want to see the Tolkien writer? Uh, 
I don't know. I just, I, like, I don't know if I'll be as excited after the third one as I was for this. Just because there wasn't that gap of, like, it being kind of refreshing to see another one. Uh, I also don't, like, I mean, I don't know that they can do other sort of, like, <laughs> natural terrain that will... Uh, like speak as much to James Cameron's interest as setting a movie like mostly at sea. Like, where where would they put the next one? I guess they could go to space. They haven't spent that much time in space for being a sci-fi movie. I think, but they they were they were in the sky quite a bit in the first one. I don't know if it would have that yeah. much appeal if they at those floating rocks and stuff. Yeah. I, I guess they could do like Earth. an ice, an ice area. They'll, they'll just go to Earth, go to Earth yeah, which is just lame Pandora. They're gonna go to Earth in the last <laughs> one. It'd be like we come in peace. It's gonna be Mars attacks with Navi. <laughs> so they're just gonna kill everyone yeah, for no particular reason, just because, yeah. just for the lulls. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, I, uh, I was going over those Avatar titles. I feel so dumb forgetting that Tolkien was the name of the whales. So that must be a mm. Loak like focused movie. Hmm. Spinoff. <laughs> Origins of Loak. A Loak, a Loak, uh, a, an Avatar story. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <God>. mm. <laughs> I would love to go see a movie called that. Yeah, I don't know who that would be for, but it would be fun to just watch an all-whale movie. It's, it's only in whale language. Uh, yeah, Sean would like it. I wish Python was my best friend. <laughs> He's cool with you hanging out in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He'll let you plug in in there. Yeah, let you bond. Oh, um, yeah. There is a villain's wiki page for Korich, but it's mostly from the first movie, so I'm not going to do it. Uh, Sounds good. He's a bad guy. If you, don't refer, yeah. if you don't remember, he's the bad guy. Yep. Big. I've big heard things. Guy. It's really big. They're all big. They're so big. Yeah, I mean, they don't feel as big when they're not walking around as many humans, but they are big. Can't forget. This is part of the inexplicable appeal of Avatar and Avatar 2 to me, because if you showed me like concept art of Navi or any of the animals on Pandora, I would say that looks dumb. The Navi design, I think, is dumb. Because they look like humans, but they're like stretched out cat humans. Their proportions are weird. I don't like it. You don't like the animal that's like a big rhino, but he's got like a hammerhead shark head? You don't like that? Okay, that one's fine. I don't know what that's called. He's cool. Uh, Thanator or something. I don't know what I don't know. I'm just I'm just pulling a name out of nowhere. 
And and like yeah, I do like the Tulkan design. Uh, sure, I, I love the Banshees. I like those too. But my point is, as much as I would tell you out here in the normal world that I don't like the design of Navi, within the time that I'm watching these movies, I'm like, hell yeah, I love these Navi. I want to hang out with them. I want to join the team. Uh, I, I can't explain why it just it, it works for me perfectly fine when I'm watching the film. Mm-hmm. Just magic, I guess. Yeah. Transports you. It's everything that Nicole Kidman talked about in those AMC commercials. <laughs> when are they rolling out the new one? Didn't they say they shot a new one of those? Ooh, is she? Is it still with her? Yeah, of course. Oh, should have mixed it up. Tom Cruise. Ooh, Danny Trejo. Except he's instead of walking into a theater, he's like doing it from like outer space or something. I mean, that's the experience you got if you saw a Top Gun Maverick in theaters because it would at an AMC theater because you'd have the Nicole Kidman thing air and then you'd have Tom Cruise come out. Yeah, he's like jumping out really of a plane and then he parachutes right into his seat. <laughs> you watched it at home? Did did it, I guess it didn't still have this then? Right, the Tom Cruise message at the start of Top Gun. Uh, no, it didn't. Just like you guys didn't get to experience M. Night Shyamalan introducing old. <laughs> really? Yeah, he's like, welcome back to the theaters, guys. Hope you like old. Have a good, have a good time at the show. Have a good time. Like, yeah, just with the, the energy of just like someone's dad. <laughs> no. Unlike Tom Cruise's creepy smile and soulless eyes. <laughs> it's somehow our biggest movie star. You must be so pissed about the, uh, Kate Winslet with the, the break in the record for holding her breath, right? He must be like training to so he can break that now. Yeah, probably. I mean, his problem is he was doing too many stunts when he did his big underwater scene. Yeah. He should have been satisfied just like floating there with his magical wings which she didn't even have those big wings <laughs> like think of it remember how kate winslet had wings in that picture well, that's what it looked like i guess that was like a cape or a cloak or yeah, yeah. yeah. oh yeah 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 it was like it was like a cape but she cape, didn't have that cape either winslet. <laughs> that's that's a thing cape winslet just wanted to repeat it so people had time to laugh this time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, my dog is crying. I think he's got the Pandora blues. Okay. I gotta go, I gotta go take well, him back, you guys. <laughs> gotta take him back to this Pandora. This concludes our discussion of Avatar's The Way of Water. A film by James Cameron. Um, it also concludes this season of The Pick. If you head over to mildlyplease.com, though, you're going to start seeing top 10 lists coming in as we talk about our favorite albums and TV shows and movies of 2022, the year where 
they tried to forgive student loan debt and then they did but we'll try again next year um will we do other podcasts like the mildly please awards and our anticipated moves of the year definitely anticipated love doing that one and uh, mildly please awards i think we can squeeze it in that's always a funny one well there's only one way to find out and that is to subscribe to the mildly please podcast feed you can find it on apple Podcasts or spotify or the third option and until next time o el ngati kamei e